Farmers Insurance knows the difference between a car hitting your bumper and a clown car hitting your bumper. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry about that. Because we covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I'm here to fight, baby. Seth Rollins, get your ass out here, boy. When I show up, it's business time, baby. That's what I thought, baby. Baby, baby, baby. Baby, baby, baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron here, joined as always by Jeff at Crap Game 13 Hawkins. Jeff, how are you today? They're not booing. They're saying Austin, Austin. We had the return of Steve Austin last night. We had the uh, Steve Austin Brock Lesnar podcast. We'll get into uh, that very briefly. WWE Hell in a Cell is this Sunday, so we're going to preview that show uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Tyler Breeze rumors that are going on, I'm sure, within uh, the Hell in a Cell preview, possibly. And we're going to cover match number 59 in our Top 100 Countdown. That is the main event to Survivor Series 2001, the Team WWF versus the Alliance uh, Survivor Series elimination match. That is our match this week we are going to talk about. So we'll get into all that. First, an announcement. Jeff, on Sunday... After WWE Hell in a Cell, we will be doing a live post show that you can all watch via YouTube or on the front page at VoicesOfWrestling.com. It'll be our second try. Uh, The first one went pretty well, so hopefully the second one should be near flawless, I hope. Uh, But we're going to be back live for that unless... Unless what? Unless you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, unless I get a freebie. <laughs> the show is in Los uh, Angeles, of yeah. course, where Jeff is from. Mm. So uh, if you go to that show, there won't be a live post show because you will be busy. True. Well, there won't. I won't be on a live post show. You might. That's right. I, I guess we'll probably still do one, but yeah. Jeff just may not be on it. Or he'll call right. in and he'll, you know, yeah. uh, on the uh, ride home, he'll just... Yes talk as best he can without trying to get in an accident of some kind jeff's wrestling budget has been broken though by bola and wrestlemania possible a, a plans. lot of stuff yeah a lot of stuff <laughs> happening in the uh, early stages um but we are going to be back so go to voices of slash youtube subscribe to the youtube channel uh there will be a uh, a page for it starting tomorrow so you can actually set that up and just uh, when it comes on you'll get an announcement and you can go and watch live and while you're watching live there will be a live chat so if you have comments about the show or any questions for either of us or just something you really want to get out on the uh, show we will be able to follow along with the live chat uh, voicesofwrestling.com slash WWE shop if you do any shopping on WWE shop and want to help support the show visit our affiliate link and that will take you to the website and any purchases will uh, help shake them ropes. There's no extra cost to you to do that. And uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, as well as Downcast. And the reason I mention that right now is we are going through a little bit of a podcast URL feed change right now. We're changing our hosting service 
Now, if you're on Downcast or if you're on Stitcher or if you're on iTunes or any of these feeds that are, you know, curated for you, there should be no change. There should be nothing you have to do. It'll automatically update with the new feed here in the next two weeks or so. There's nothing you have to do. If you subscribe to us manually, as in an RSS reader and you put in our manual feed somehow, the old feed was a Libsyn feed. We are moving to feeds.feedburner.com slash shake them ropes. It'll be in the show notes. You can catch us on Twitter at shake them ropes with that information. So if you subscribe to us manually and want to change it, you can. If you subscribe via any of these podcatchers, it should be automatic for you. But I wanted to get that out there in case for some reason over the next couple of weeks you stop seeing our show update. That is the reason why you want to make sure you're on our new feed or delete the uh, subscription and then resubscribe to the podcast. That should work out for you as well. So if you have any issues, that is why. And we will uh, answer any questions about that at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. If for some reason you're having trouble, get at me and we will do all of that over the Twitters. Uh, Jeff, we will get into this Hell in a Cell preview. But first, I wanted to ask you if you watched the Steve Austin Brock Lesnar podcast last night. Uh, I watched it this morning. Any thoughts from it? I, you know, um, wrestling wise, no. I, I think Brock came off as pretty relatable and likable in this podcast. To be honest with you, and, and in terms of actual podcasts that Steve's done for the network, the most forthright and honest person that's ever been on this podcast. I think, but because yeah, uh, he has no reason to lie about anything, he's he not has, really trying to hide himself. From he anything. has no pretension about himself or who he is. Right. He's dropped it honest about the fact that he doesn't want anybody as a friend yeah. and, and doesn't you know, his, and his attitude, I had never heard the thing about rock telling him to be more selfish before. Um, but that now makes entirely sense. And it got into, you know, little parts of his other things like Minis- the Minnesota Vikings tryout and the UFC thing. I enjoyed the interview for the most part. He's not, he, he has a certain style in which you have to kind of get used to, in terms of verbally, he's not exactly emotional in it, but it's not monotonous either. You know, it's just kind of dry and matter of fact. So you kind of have to get used to that, but it was an enjoyable interview. Um, <laughs> Steve, Steve has a bit of a issue with segues and things like that. Cause it's kind of like, Oh, this popped in my head. I'll ask you it now. I mean, I mean, and I'm not bashing Steve Austin because I certainly don't think I'm the best interviewer of all time. I try to do interviews so I can get better. But, yeah, Steve Austin's not the best interviewer. No, uh, I, impossible. I, yeah. You know, weird segues. He talks over people way too much, which is something that, you know, we struggle with that I struggle with for sure. If you struggle with. I don't struggle with it at all. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm trying to get better. It's just, you know, uh, it's one of it's one of the tougher things, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, I started watching it, not really expecting to want to watch the whole thing. And I started about 20 minutes in. I didn't watch it live. I, I just jumped ahead of the farming talk and the hunting talk. So once I got through that, you know, I found myself watching it the rest of the way. I was pretty intrigued by just hearing Brock Lesnar, you know, the real person, you know, the person who's not the best with words that you know, it was kind of like me at times when I'm trying to think of what I want to say and it, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get it out there. He, you know, he takes his time to say what he, uh, what he's trying to say there. Um, a lot of the popular joke today is, you know, they should have let Paul Heyman do the interview for Brock Lesnar. And, you know, that's no uh, right. haha. But I mean, really, you want to hear the people are hearing the Brock Lesnar interview not to hear this polished professional speaker. They just want to hear Brock Lesnar talk about something real. Well, this was the first interview, and I admit I didn't watch the page one, so 
Paige might have come off this way as well because she seems to be like that kind of person where I didn't feel like they were, for lack of a better term, working me on something. It just felt like, all right, Brock's going to answer these questions honestly or as honestly as he can, but without, you know, that that polished subtext of I know I'm hiding something here or I'm hyping something up that's not necessarily true or, you know, because like Heyman has it, the McMahons have it. It, they they have that kind of ability to lie and make it sound honest. Yeah, they have, I don't think I don't think Brock has that. Right. It's what they're doing is they know the story that has to get out there, so they're making it. You know, they're talking to try and help that story get out, or they're trying yes. to put on a different you know a front. Brock Lesnar's yeah. not putting up a front. Paige right. wasn't trying yeah. to put up a front. You right. you just want to hear these people talk about something real. It's like it, it almost doesn't even matter what they talked about. Like and, you can, and you can tell because of all the bleeping they had to do in the interview that it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to remember that this is PG, so I have to stick to something like that. I'm just going to say how I feel, and it's going to come out. And that gets into one of the negatives sometimes about these Steve Austin interviews is at times when you see a guest like this, like Brock Lesnar there on this podcast, being his real self and just you know answering things in his normal tone of speaking – it comes off like Steve Austin is the one being fake because Steve yes. Austin is trying to be pro interviewer guy asking what he thinks a pro interviewer should ask instead of a guy who's just having a conversation with Brock Lesnar. And don't get me wrong. Austin has improved greatly from I have your Wikipedia page here and it says here that you did this, but he he's not a journalist and he's not a professional interviewer and, you know, it's easier for him to interview people he has a personal connection with. And Brock's not the kind of guy to have personal connections. I love uh, High Spots has been doing for a while now. They get these, you know, indie wrestlers to host like a television talk show, almost exactly like these Steve Austin podcasts. I mean, Kevin Steen had the Kevin Steen show where he would sit down usually around a PWG weekend or a big independent wrestling show weekend. And he would talk with guest after guest after guest in one day and get these DVDs out. Chuck Taylor has it now with Trent Beretta, the best friends show on High Spots. Uh, and, Kevin Steen was what Steve Austin was early. Kevin Steen made no, you know, jokes about it. He would have a printout of the people's Wikipedia pages reading off of their Wikipedia page to ask questions on all these people, oftentimes people that he had known for 15 years and he would still use the Wikipedia page. That's what Steve Austin was doing early on. At least he's not doing that now. Like you can tell he researches on Wikipedia. Like he knows the backgrounds uh, without much detail, but at least he's trying to ask about detail in kind of his own words, even though may, they may not be the smoothest segues. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, Austin tries. Yeah, he, he tries does. to get the information. He goes to YouTube to watch things. You know, he tries. He tries. Now, the reason why I brought this up is because going into last night's Raw and last night's Steve Austin podcast, the big story among, I believe, a smaller set of people, because I don't think Everyone going into this was really expecting a Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match to be made. On Are you this sure? Show. Are you sure you want to go down this road? I only want to go down into the fact that, um, and you even mentioned it to me before this, that it's kind of a bait and switch show with Brock Lesnar and Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. I, I don't... That was more of a joke on my okay, part. Okay, good, because I, I don't feel like it was that <laughs> at all. But I mean, that got to me because the same weekend when Sami Zayn went to Evolve, you know, this weekend... People were clamoring about how that is false advertising at a bait and switch because Sami Zayn was going to Evolve. Evolve announced Sami Zayn appearing on the show. And people are, you know, getting their pants in a bunch about how Sami Zayn's not wrestling. 
someone even calling it a money grab that, you know, advertising Sami Zayn for Evolve is a money grab, fooling people into buying tickets, even though all he's doing is appearing when Evolve made no no uh, hesitation to tell you that all he was doing was appearing and signing autographs like he was not there to wrestle. They couldn't have been more clear on it. You know, um, I think I think people mistook the graphic that was tweeted out with Sami Zayn on it as the poster of the event. And th- in that case, yeah, it would be a bit which misleading. Which it wasn't, by the way. Okay. Yeah, it was not the poster of the event. I the think, poster but, of the event actually did not have Sami Zayn's picture on it at all. Right. But I think it's the connection between the, the image that went around the internet plus the event plus him not wrestling right. equals but That was the combo. Switch. That was right. the combo that got to me is both of these things happening on the weekend. And all wwe was doing was advertising it was the same thing with page it was the same thing with other people they're advertising this person on the steve austin podcast and you're going to hear steve austin interview this person no one is an you know brock lesnar's wrestlemania match will be announced tonight like everyone got in a tip because you know dave Meltzer is out there and you know dave Meltzer doing what he sh- he's supposed to do is generate hype so people subscribe to his newsletter and go to the website to try and get information before it's actually out there but everyone was working themselves up into a lather thinking that we might actually see Brock Lesnar's Mania match announced here five and a half months before WrestleMania, a week before Brock Lesnar already has a match that people should be paying attention to. Like WWE is trying to promote in one week this Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match. They're not worrying about the WrestleMania match yet. WrestleMania matches, the tickets don't go on sale for a couple of weeks. They don't have to have a WrestleMania match for Brock announced yet or even teased that hard. And the fact that Steve Austin, at this point, and I think you should have known before last night, it's just not coming back. Oh, we said it on this show. You, we did it on, I think it was you, me, and Dylan when we were doing a show. Steve Austin, is he doing a match? And all of us said no. Yeah, he's just, he doesn't look like he's in the shape for a match. He looks like a guy who keeps up in the gym enough to look like himself. Oh, no, he's, he's, uh, he's camera ready. Right, exactly. Mm. Shawn Michaels doesn't look like that guy anymore. Shawn Michaels has never been bigger than he is right now, including his mid-90s days. Shawn Michaels is the biggest he's ever been, and not in the best way. But Steve Austin does not look like a guy who's keeping up in ring shape because he's been out of the ring for 15 years, or for, what, 13 now? Sure. I mean, a long time he's been out of the ring. He's not coming back for a Brock Lesnar match when there could have been times that he was coming back. So it was just shocking to me. I mean, we're talking on Twitter how why are people expecting you know, so much out of this. And then you get the people who are going to be disappointed and they're disappointed because of what they've done to themselves leading that. This is going to be some monumental podcast because we're going to finally find out what Brock Lesnar is doing, or we're going to get Steve Austin's return to the ring. And I would just implore people not to work yourselves up so much. Let be surprised when things happen or, or just kind of go along with things. Because if you're trying to make it the biggest thing of all time, You're going to disappoint yourself. And that's where the negatives come into pro wrestling is, of course, you're if you're disappointed because something huge didn't happen, you might kind of fall out of pro wrestling a little bit. And I don't know if that's necessarily all WWE's fault or all whatever company you're watching's fault. So that that's part of it a little bit there. Um, I just, uh, you know, it's well, and before before you go on is this kind of go back to how Every time there's a U.S. title open challenge on a pay-per-view, we think Daniel mm. Bryan's coming back, and that kind of plays into Hell in a Cell this week. Like, guess who's going to be the Hell in a Cell challenger for John Cena's U.S. title? I, it can't be anyone under Daniel Bryan, no? 
Wow, you stole my thunder on this one. <laughs> um, well, we've been saying it for the last two well, pay-per-views. It it's seems not like. going to be Daniel Bryan. I, I I think I have a good idea who it's going to be, but Save I it. think it's, I think it's no. I think it's a combination of two things. Number one, this is partly WWE's fault because they've only said five or six people have mattered for the past twelve to fifteen WrestleManias, and Austin and Brock are two of them. So you and you have that thing on the last podcast with Austin and Heyman that they left up there. They should have probably just clipped that whole thing out, to be honest with you. But it, it's up there. It matters. You're expecting something big. And as wrestling fans, we want big surprises. We want to be swerved. So, yes, we, you know, going into this. Ooh, he's got I mean, they announced it as a big deal on the show, so we think it's a big deal. It's not gonna well, be it's, a big it's a deal. it's a big it's deal because it's a rare Brock Lesnar interview and it's the only no, the no, sixth meant, one he's done. I meant the I meant the Hell in a Cell uh open challenge. They oh, ooh, one, he's yeah. gonna have it on this thing, so you have to go to the network to watch it. And so it's gonna ooh, who could it possibly oh. be? Social media is a buzz with yeah. all you know, they do that to us. And then when we get our hopes up and then they throw out, you know, ah, it's Bo Dallas. <laughs> well, Yay. we'll we'll get to this hell in a cell. But I think, you know, I'm not going to fault them for trying to promote a match as a big deal, um, especially if but the person. Well, well, let's let's talk about this first. We're going to get into this hell in a cell card. We're going to preview this hell okay. in a cell show and we'll start with the U.S. title open challenge just because I think all the points that kind of go along with this uh, would spoil it if we didn't do it right now. Um, all right. WWE, in their mind, if for, say, Dean Ambrose accepted the U.S. title open challenge, in their mind, we should think that's a big deal because it's Dean Ambrose and John Cena. Dean Ambrose is a guy that the fans like. They know it's a guy the fans like, so that should be a big deal. Mm -hmm. Sure, he's not Daniel Bryan, but it shouldn't be a disappointment to fans. And if the fans are going to go in thinking it's going to be a Daniel Bryan or even on a small scale Tyler Breeze, I think they might be disappointed when they probably shouldn't be. And my pick right now is, especially after the cancellation of the Wyatts match, and Dean Ambrose has nothing to do, and Dolph Ziggler was put in this pre-show, I think Dean Ambrose will be the guy who challenges John Cena, and I would not be shocked if John Cena's going away for six weeks that Dean Ambrose wins the title on this show. Nope, that's my pick as well. It's either going to be him or or if... See, I had an out of left field before this match fell apart. I thought maybe they had signed Alberto Del Rio and they could actually get that pop of the surprise. But you know what else they could do here? And I think Dean Ambrose is the smart pick. I think he is slightly disappointing in that he's already done the U.S. Open Challenge once as a surprise, as a big deal when he was, you know, getting face pops and then coming out and doing it and then losing in in a hard-fought match and a very good match. But it's still a repeat. It's something we've seen before. I think with the dissolution of this match, there is the possibility if they're going to make Roman Reigns a guy, and I'm not saying it's going to be Roman Reigns, so hold on to that thought, because they they referenced Roman twice. They've had Austin and and Ric Flair put him over twice on this thing, that they're going to try and build someone up for Roman to beat, Braun Strowman could always come out and beat John Cena for the title and knock out Cena for a while and become a monster for Reigns to then go after after he gets done with Bray Wyatt. But I think, given that Orton's going to be out for a while, oh, first ballot Hall of Famer Randy Orton on Rob McCarron's ballot. (laughs) With him out, with Cena leaving, if they can't talk him into staying, I think that Dean Ambrose is the smart choice here. (laughs) 
Yeah, with Dean Ambrose not in that pre-show match, uh, I would pick Dean Ambrose. Alberto Del Rio is an interesting one because if Randy Orton's going to be out for a bit with uh, what some are reporting is a shoulder injury, um, all the guys that are in the pre-show match not being really an option most likely. Uh, there have been rumors swirling that Alberto Del Rio could come back. I don't know if he's advertised for any AAA shows. Uh, in the near future, um, you know, I he, haven't seen him advertise for that. I know he canceled the European dates due to quote unquote travel. Right, I know the that there, there are those rumors that there's a guy on the free market who's who's or a guy who's about to be a free agent. And I don't think he had a long term deal with Lucha Underground. He no, uh, that he's WWE interested in. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of these sites trying to take an easy road and confirm Alberto Del Rio as being in Lucha Underground season two, like one of the, you know, let's, let's put out a name there. That's a big name that is almost a lock to be on Lucha Underground. So we'll just say we've confirmed it and it backfired. Like I think it was WrestleZone, but I'm not sure. Uh, they tweeted out Alberto Del Rio confirmed for Lucha Underground season two. And Alberto Del Rio retweets that saying, nope, not confirmed. And you add to that, it's in Los Angeles and they want a Hispanic superstar. We've heard these rumors before. So Alberto Del Rio would be a, candidate i think here and the fact that now alberto del rio might have been doing things to try and get himself gone from wwe but he didn't technically leave by choice they had to let him go because he slapped an actual employee of the company who's no longer an employee right so they had to let him go Mm -hmm. and they could bring alberto del rio back um maybe on a lighter schedule maybe maybe give him a raise because it's headed in wrestlemania season and they're a little bit desperate so i could see alberto del rio being one of a few candidates who are realistic to wrestle John Cena on this show, but mm-hmm. I would go with Dean Ambrose. I'm going with Dean Ambrose and as the smart pick. Do you think Dean Ambrose beats John Cena? I think he has to. I think he has to because if if Cena's leaving and Orton's out, I think whoever wrestles Cena has to beat him here. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So I think John Cena's losing for once. Mm. Hashtag LOL Cena what? <laughs> The pre-show match, before we get into more of the proper matches on the show, is now a rematch from Raw. Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville going up against Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. You know, JBL calls a Premier League match. The six-man tag. Um, I think it'll be, if it's kept to like eight or nine minutes, I think it'll be a fun little sprint of a six-man. The problem yeah. is it's all the same people that have been in the ring with each other for the last month with mm-hmm. no, with nothing on the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler on the SmackDown tapings, which are taping after we record the show, Dolph Ziggler is supposed to be on Miz TV with Summer Rae. And he's in this six-man tag, meaning, you know, one of my prospects, there have been rumors swirling around that Tyler Breeze is... Ready to make an impending debut on WWE proper, that he's being called up to the main roster. And I have no reason to doubt with all these rumors coming up and Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, basically saying that he's on his way any day now. I have no reason to doubt that Tyler Breeze is indeed coming up. The problem I see here is that everyone's expecting it right away. When Tyler Breeze, and I know this for a fact because I've checked, Tyler Breeze still has a developmental deal. He has not been moved to a main roster deal at this moment. He is still advertised for the NXT UK tour in December. He's still advertised for NXT house shows. He's still advertised for the NXT TV tapings coming up next week. He's advertised for a lot of NXT stuff. And while I know the card is subject to change, if for the last two weeks he's been scheduled to be on the main roster... I don't think they would have his name still up there for NXT events all the way through December, including Florida house shows, 
even with the precedent that after Kevin Owens debuted on the main roster, he was on NXT shows. But the difference there is Kevin Owens was only on the TV tapings and the takeovers. He was not on any single live event in Florida after he debuted for WWE, whereas Tyler Breeze is still advertised for a bunch of them, even though he didn't work any live events this weekend. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of conflicting parts there as far as when Tyler Breeze may actually debut. And if Tyler Breeze was going to debut, it seems like the most likely spot for him, no, would be against Dolph Ziggler or at least on the side of Summer Rae. Uh, now that Summer Rae is still an on-screen character uh, okay. with no second. I was wondering, what does Tyler Breeze have to do with the sixth man? Um, you know, I think when people hear he's going to debut on the main roster, then they automatically, this is, this goes back to your raised expectations theory. They think he's going to debut as a star. Right. I, I don't even think he's going to debut on Raw. I think he's going to debut on SmackDown and they're going to try and sell some selfie sticks out of it. And then if it starts to click a bit, then they'll port him over to Raw a bit. But I, you know, I don't see him. Right. And I, I got a little... as high as you. I mean, maybe they do put him with Summer Rae here. That'd be a great idea. And if you were going to do that for that big, strong mid card push, yes. But <laughs> I have my doubts. Right. And and the reason I am you know tied it in all to the six man is the fact that Dolph Ziggler is in it because if he was going to work Hell in a Cell, if he was going to come up before the Hell in a Cell pay per view, Dolph Ziggler seemed like the most logical candidate uh, out of what was available as far as who wasn't on the card yet. Plus the tie-in with Summer Rae, because mm-hmm. um, Dolph Ziggler has done stuff with Summer Rae on WWE house shows before. Now, the last events Tyler Breeze has worked, he did the TV tapings uh, at the start of this month. He was on a couple of WWE live events losing to R-Truth, but he has not been on any match on anything since the 11th of this month. And here we are on the 20th. He was at TV the last two weeks. He's been at Raw. He's been at SmackDown. He was on the... Uh, the New Day's uh, backstage video with Team Bad in a go-kart race. So you know he was back there. He was on Up, Up, Down, Down, the Xavier Woods YouTube channel uh, for something. So he's been around. I have no doubt that he's debuting soon. But like you said, he could come up for a small little mid-card thing that's not even really talked about that much on SmackDown and go right back to NXT while they try and tinker with either his gimmick or tinker what they want to do with him. He's not on a develop or a, a main roster deal yet, so they could bring him up for a little bit and then send him right back down, keeping him on that developmental deal. It doesn't mean he's on the main roster just because he's up. And remember, Kevin Owens came up on a Raw, wrestled two weeks later on Elimination Chamber. It wasn't until that Elimination Chamber match where he actually became a main roster person. You know, sometimes they bring these guys up for a little bit. Don't put them on a main roster deal yet until they're comfortable knowing that they're going to be on the main roster for a while. I was just reading that they that people are thinking that Tyler Breeze may be the guy for the U.S. Open Challenge, and I went, they are not. I mean, if they do, he's going to lose, not to not to beat Cena. Wouldn't, are you that crazy? Be, that would be something, too, because Tyler Breeze, Mr. Loses Every Big Match in NXT, comes up in WWE, and that's the guy who finally gets the big win on John Cena. You know, the rare win that Kevin Owens had earlier this year. But most people don't get that win. I don't know if Tyler Breeze is quite at that it, level. Yeah, a win that makes John Cena li- leave for two months. You're going to do that over Kevin Owens? Yeah, I don't really? see. I don't see no. Tyler Breeze being that guy. But like I yeah. said, and, and I've been saying this on Twitter, and people have been commenting back and forth because when there's smoke to these things, there's usually fire, and a lot of people are believing what's out there with Tyler Breeze. This is again the lowered expectations. Would it be awesome if Tyler Breeze shows up? Yes. Because I'm a big fan of Tyler Breeze. He's been my NXT MVP. 
But let's have a little quieter expectations about what he's going to do and whether or not he even comes up anytime soon. Let's remember what Vince likes in a superstar. Tyler Breeze is small. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah, he is a little smaller guy, but but boy, he would be a good hand on TV. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he shows up on SmackDown tonight. I oh, mean, yeah. they're, they're doing the Miz TV with Summer Rae and Dolph. I wouldn't be shocked if Summer Rae debuts her new man tonight, and it's Tyler Breeze. Fine with that. But I have no idea what he's going to do. I have no idea when he's coming up, what he's going to do. All I know, and this is all I've been saying, all I know right now is that Tyler Breeze has a developmental deal. And if he's being called up, eventually that will change. But at the moment, it's not. And he's being advertised for a whole bunch of NXT shows all the way through December. So so Rob McCarron reports that Tyler Breeze is full-time on the main roster. Got it. Right, well, yeah. Let's go Let's go, go, go to the dirt sheets. Right. Um. <laughs> the six-man tag, who's going to win it, though? Ziggler, Cesaro, Neville up against Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. I think Ziggler gets the better of Rusev and then gets Brogue kicked for the pin. Sheamus. Sheamus is their guy with the Money in the Bank briefcase. If he doesn't leave in the middle of the match, he's getting the pin. I would put Sheamus also as one of those contenders to possibly wrestle John Cena. I had that I had that originally. That was going to be my original pick before this six man got put in the pre-show. I'll give you I'll give you all the people I think are contenders. Alberto Del Rio, Dean yes. Ambrose, yes. Sheamus, yes. and Goldberg. Those are my four. I'll I'll put Braun Strowman in there. All right. Kevin Owens versus the Ryback for the Intercontinental Championship. Ryback <laughs> lost to the WWE champion Seth oh, Rollins on Raw. That segment. That's let's talk about that segment real quick. All of it from 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 HBK through now, number one, after we got through that whole Austin Brock thing, they were teasing HBK Rollins. Yes. Um, with, well, that, he, with that dumb I, head to okay. head to the side and one more match. crap. I, I don't want to be the millionth show that's going to break down raw this week, but I will. Let's not break down even the raw side of this. Let's break down what they were thinking the crowd was going to do for, during that HBK Seth Rollins segment because Seth Rollins comes out there. OK, I want to I want to break down who this helped. So so you do your part and then I'll do mine real quick. I thought it was hilarious because they have HBK out there who's already getting a pretty tepid response. Right. From the crowd. They have Seth Rollins come out, go face to face, and they were trying to recreate the whole Rock Hogan thing. What they do is they have Seth Rollins go out there and go face to face, and they are waiting forever for anyone in the crowd to start chanting <laughs> for either one more match or for HBK or for Rollins. And they go that face to face and they're looking around and no one's making any sound whatsoever. Yes, they were trying to get the reaction of, oh, my God, they might actually wrestle. They weren't teasing a match between the two. Let's stop the whole HBK being teased for a match because that's another one that isn't happening anytime soon. But I just thought it was this crowd was being fed like the weirdest show of all time. They came there to see Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. They came there to see Austin. They came there to see John Cena. And they got all of that in the first 40 minutes of the show. So you're expecting fans to keep watching the rest of the three hours when a majority of these casual fans and the people who are there in the building already just got who they came to see and they were done. Well, not only that, they undermined everything they want to do in the build. And this segment encapsulates a lot of that. All right. Rollins comes out. He faces HBK. HBK makes him look like a geek because Rollins says he wants to be he wanted to be HBK 2.0 or whatever that he he's he's just a knockoff. So HBK runs him down for that. 
Then your number one contender for the Intercontinental belt comes out to fight him and loses clean. And not only does he lose clean, he loses clean to a move Rollins is using from another superstar, thus justifying that he is indeed a 2.0. Fail for everybody involved in this segment. Yeah, what I think they're thinking is, let's go send out HBK, who the fans respect, to right. shoot down this I know what young, brash thinking. kid. Because yeah. Seth Rollins is the young, brash kid who gets things handed to him. So let's that's what put they're him doing. In the ring. Let's put him in the ring with a known superstar, and that'll make him look good. Oh, and then he'll beat a legitimate contender for another title. That'll make him look good. No, it made everybody look bad. And I'm all for, I mean, the world champion should beat the second secondary title holders and especially the secondary title holder challengers right but after after building him up as a geek champ who can't win and runs away and <laughs> just it, it it goes into the folder of matches they shouldn't have booked no period. there are guys that they're not using in the back that they could have brought out and fed to rollins easy yeah i mean Fandango can come out, maybe on a lesser scale, but someone who has a little credibility. I don't know, Jack Swagger, I think, would have been a guy. Swagger would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, But I anyways, mean, this is this is Kevin Owens, who who then later got beat up by the two baby faces, <laughs> Henry and Ryback, <laughs> to, yeah, get well, back, to get back Ryback's quote-unquote heat. I tell you what, though. <laughs> I tell you what. Kevin Owens. Yes. Ken o- Kevin Owens did what he could with Mark Henry. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the match at the Ryback. I think Kevin Owens and the Ryback could be really good. Uh, but does the Intercontinental Championship stay on Kevin Owens now that we have a babyface problem in WWE if Randy Orton is gone and John Cena is gone for the next month and a half? Do they push the babyface Ryback as one of the top guys? No. I think I think Kevin Owens keeps it. I will go with Kevin Owens keeping the championship and they could always well. And they could always just tweak Kevin Owens to be a anti-hero. Which would work. Yep. Mm-hmm. The New Day and the Dudley Boys mm. for, I believe, the third time now on a pay-per-view or WWE Network special. Uh, both of the first two have ended in DQ or had some type of trouble that led to the Dudley Boys losing. Uh, this has got to be the one. This has to be it. They're winning. They're winning the belts. And if they, if they don't win here, the Dudley Boys aren't winning, period, and they're gone. Yes. I, I mean, if the Dudley boys don't win here, I think that signifies the end of whatever short-term deal they signed or whatever happened, and they're just out of here. Because I don't see anything for them to do if they're not wrestling for the tag team titles, uh, you know, based on who else we have on this roster. But yeah, they I can't, will, they I can't possibly do another match next month for Survivor Series. They can't. You wouldn't think so. And, and the Dudley boys, I see the Dudley boys winning here. And the Dudley boys can go to Survivor Series, have a rematch with the New Day, and we can have our tables match in December and finish this feud once and for all. We could do that. I don't but, even think they're going to have a rematch. I think they're going to be part of like a Survivor Series multi-team match or something in Survivor Series, like the traditional one. And then December, you have the tables match and they lose it. They could easily do that. And at some point, yeah. the Usos have to come back. And you know they'll be in the picture somewhere. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of tag teams to do a Survivor Series elimination. You know, maybe the Usos and the Dudleys going up against uh, the the New Day and Ascension or something like that. Well, you could do one of those ten man things. Even you could oh, have Usos, yeah. Primetime Players, Los Matadores. You know, you have a plenty of teams here. They have so many teams. Uh, Seth Rollins and Kane for the WWE Championship. Uh, Seth Rollins is going against the champion. He is wrestling Kane. A lot of back and forth between uh, numerous fans out there on whether or not they should even be doing this match or, you know, kind of 
sighing at the fact that Kane is in a title match here on a pay-per-view. I've always been in contention that, you know, the Kane-Seth Rollins story is a story they built up. I am fine with them blowing it off here at the end. And I'm fine with it being on the undercard of a pay-per-view headlined by Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. Um, because Seth Rollins is going to be around for a long time, right? You, If he's going to be the champion throughout his career at different times, because Seth Rollins will lose this championship at some point, probably before WrestleMania. But it's not like that's going to be the only run of his career. I see Seth Rollins being a multi-time champion. So he's going to need new challengers. There are plenty of challengers right now that he could have had for this show that I would much rather wait for them to use on future shows when they need them because Kane won't be around forever, but someone like a Neville or a Sheamus or a, you know, a, uh, I don't know who else, anyone, Dolph Ziggler will be around for a while back. I'm fine with this match happening. I hope people don't shit on it too much because you should enjoy the wrestling that you're watching, or I'd, I would hope that you enjoy the wrestling you're watching. I'm excited for this match for the fact that I think Seth Rollins will win. It'll be one of those strong wins for Seth Rollins that hopefully helps him as he leads up to Triple H, which I still think is a match that's happening. I will go with Seth Rollins winning here, and I'm on record saying I'm completely fine with this match happening. I'm fine with the match happening. The stipulation intrigues me. The stipulation that if Kane loses... Corporate Kane is out of a job as D-O-O. Rob, is this the place where Kane could win and Sheamus cashes in? Yes or no? It is. It is the place if you're going to do the cash in. And thus he can keep his job as director of operations because technically he won the match. Kane is a superstar at these short title reigns. And then lose the title because this is what they do with Kane. Yep. It is. It is what they do with Kane. Now, the question would then be if Seth Rollins, is he out of the title picture? If Sheamus beats him, is a babyface brought up to uh, wrestle Sheamus for the championship? And who would that babyface be? Yeah, I don't know. But I still, I I think Seth wins here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just playing what if. I, I think it would be one of those title changes they do just to spark some of the audience. Yeah, just to get people chattering to see what happens on Monday. But clearly no plan whatsoever on what to do with it. Right. Because you're just losing Randy Orton and John Cena unless you bring Dean Ambrose somehow into the Sheamus picture. I don't know what they would do. And Dean Ambrose and Sheamus isn't really that big title program that you want to run right now. It could be later on. It's not what you want to run right now. I will go with Seth Rollins winning this match. And there is no more director of operations, Kane. And he has to go back to being Big Red Machine Kane, or he just goes away for a bit. I don't know. Uh, Charlotte and Nikki Bella for the Divas Championship. Nikki Bella has been on a tear. She's what the a build. Old, she's the what only one build. in the women's division who wins matches, and she looks like strong doing it. And more, well, boy, oh boy, does she have this character down to where she is just looking like she legitimately hates all of these new divas who are in here. Because they're taking the spotlight away from her. Like, Nikki Bella looks like she's in the ring to prove that she is the best one. Whether that (laughs) is true or not, you know, that's up to everyone else out there. But she looks like, I mean, she's giving these forearms to Sasha Banks and laying them into the point where she's like, okay, I'm the boss here. You're not the boss. I'm the boss. Nikki Bella. Sasha was winning until that Natty match on SmackDown. Yep. But, but. You know, okay. I'm excited to see what Nikki Bella is going to lay in there with Charlotte. I really am. I don't think the match is going to be that great, but I'm excited to see how they interact with each other. Uh, I think Charlotte will keep the championship, but I would not be shocked at all if Nikki Bella, you know, hangs on to it. 
But if Charlotte wins and beats Nikki Bella with John Cena leaving, do you think Nikki Bella might leave for a little bit? See, I had that all going when when the whole Rusev Ziggler thing was still in play and kind of playing into that part of of that and getting Nikki to leave. But no, I don't see that. I don't. Um, who carries who in this match? You think? I mean, overall, I think the best worker in this match in Sumi is Nikki Bella. And no, I, I, it's probably I'd agree. not close. And I think I think Charlotte will defer to Nikki as the more veteran presence on the roster because that's just how she's been brought up. Especially for a WWE-style match that they want. Nikki Bella just knows how to work those more. Now, do we get Paige chicanery in this match? I think it's, you know, impossible that we don't. Yeah. Um, I still think Charlotte wins. Charlotte wins somehow, but somehow Paige gets into there. Maybe Paige tries to, uh, you know factor in and get that belt away from Charlotte, but it backfires. That could be. And that could be your next program is Charlotte and Paige. Mm. Yay. Although I would, (laughs) I would think that we might see a survivor series match somehow between, uh, I I don't know how they would work it or who would be on whose side, but we could see some type of survivor series playoff of the divas revolution possibly, but I see see three way, three way dance. And then the first pin, the whole team is eliminated type of thing. I could see that Maybe. happen. Yeah. yeah. Although we did that already. I agree. Remember we did that once. Hey, they'll do it again. Uh, not, not surprising. Uh, we would get to the hell in the cell matches. Now Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. Mm. Uh, Roman Reigns has had trouble on the microphone lately. <laughs> the main event of raw made him look okay because all Roman Reigns has to do in these shield matches. And the reason why he got over in the first place is you leave Roman to come in and just do the big spots. And when we yeah. talk about match number 59, the, the survivor series, 2001 main event, you know, it was the big show formula for getting the big show over. You don't put him in all these single matches where it's, it's slow and plotting. You have him in a multi-man match to just do the high spots, and everything he does looks cool. You're waiting for him to come in and do all the cool stuff. But in a singles match here, at least they're in Hell in a Cell, so there can be some cool stuff with Bray Wyatt. Um, The last time Bray Wyatt was in a cage match like this, uh, I believe he was a hologram. Yes. Maybe. (laughs) I, I can't remember. Did the Chris Jericho cage match come after that Dean Ambrose thing? I'm not sure. It probably did. But, you know, he was a hologram in a cage match. And now it'll be the real thing. Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt. I see no way that Roman Reigns doesn't win here. I think not only does he win, he ends up taking out at least two other members of the Wyatt family along the way. Yeah. Strong win for Roman here. Especially now that, you know, you have Eric Rowan back. What was it with all the faces acting like jerks? On Raw, he he gives Bray Wyatt parlay to come down, sit down, and then hits him with a chair. Yeah, it was it was completely funny because Roman Reigns' first words are, you know, if you don't start anything, this won't be anything. And then his Whack. very next line, he takes <laughs> he takes like two seconds of a pause, and then his next line is, "No, screw that, I'm gonna beat you up." Yeah. I'm like, come on now, you invited the guy down to have words. He has words. He's not putting his hands on you, even after you're pushing him all over the place. He doesn't have words for you. Between Ryback, uh, Mark Henry, Roman Reigns, and Undertaker, right, <laughs> all <yeah>. the baby- <laughs> it was just so uh, okay. It was uh, yeah, it was nutty, but, but what are you going to do? But but I mean, you expect is is someone going? Someone's getting slammed on top of that cage, and I assume it's probably going to be Luke Harper. 
Yeah, if Luke Harper is back for this match, which he's I was would... resting up somewhere <laughs> for the big bump he has to take. Yeah, I mean, in Luke Harper's place on Monday was Eric Rowan, who's just back, and he's back with uh, the Wyatt family, which was, you know, teased beforehand, before uh, Harper and Rowan rejoined Bray Wyatt. No Har- big. Harper and Rowan were a team, so, I mean, it does not. it's not out of the realm of possibility that Rowan is just back, but, yeah, it was not a big deal. It's just there uh, with Braun Strowman. So now the Wyatt family is four members strong, at least at the moment, when Luke Harper returns. Uh, but, yeah, now that you don't have this pre-show match with Luke Harper... And Braun Strowman going up against Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton. You have all those guys who will be available for this Hell in a Cell. So the Wyatt family will get involved somehow. And if you have Strowman beat Cena, he doesn't have to come out for the Bray match necessarily. So you can protect him for the next Roman match. Good. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here, Mm -hmm. uh, really, on the show. Um, and I'm not confident in a lot of these picks. Like, I'm not confident in Charlotte beating Nikki Bella. I'm not. I'm conf- not either. I'm not super confident in Seth Rollins beating Kane. Um, I'm not I'm confident not- at all in Kevin Rowan's beating Ryback. Right. So there's a lot of. I'm not confident in John Cena losing, even if he is going away for a month and a half. I am confident that the heels win the pre-show. Maybe. No, I'm not confident in that either. Oh God, this show. And I'm not confident in this main <laughs> event either. Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I, I'm probably, I would say on this show, the most confidence I have in any match is Kevin Owens beating Ryback, which yeah. is saying something because I'm not, I'm 50-50 on that one. But this Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, like I'll let you go first as to who you think is going to win and why, but like zero confidence on any of it. <laughs> Especially especially after the fact that, now, I know they were in Texas, but The Undertaker has been the heel in this program. Yes! This is baffling, isn't it? They brought him out with Stone Cold introducing him in Texas, in, <laughs> in Dallas, I and will, he's been the heel the entire time, so now he's the beloved legend. I will tell you, if you were one of those people who thought that they were going to tease Brock Lesnar and, the, and Steve Austin for WrestleMania on this show— this was probably the real piece of evidence you might have had to think so is the fact that they just all of a sudden quickly turned Brock Lesnar into the heel character again and the Undertaker the babyface. Because if they were going to tease Brock and Austin, Austin was going to be a babyface in that program. And now the story is about the Undertaker getting back his legend. Oh, my. I have a strong feeling the Undertaker is getting the win in this match and then they can protect. And then the. Aura is there if he wants a WrestleMania match. I do. I think I can't think of any reasonable any reason why you'd not have Brock Lesnar win. But (laughs) it's just coming from this show. It feels like they're going to give the Undertaker the win back. And, you know, while they can't. They can't reinstate the streak. They can reinstate the aura of the Undertaker being the baddest man on the planet, whether this is his last match or he has a match at WrestleMania. Now, Survivor Series this year is happening at the Phillips Arena in Atlanta. I don't know if Brock Lesnar is advertised for this show, so I'm trying to look it up right now. Because um, Brock Lesnar we may not see again until the Royal Rumble. Undertaker and this would be winning. a way to this would be a way to write him out. That's right. So Undertaker could win, and then you just have Brock Lesnar come back later on. Um, 
Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and the Divas are the only names that uh, the Phillips Arena lists right now. All the Divas? Wow. So, yeah, I don't know if Brock Lesnar is supposed to be on that show or not. Um, I don't know what local advertising they have seen for this or not. So we may not be getting Brock Lesnar. It just may be the Survivor Series and all that comes with that. Uh, So if Brock Lesnar is gone, yeah. I mean, he could very easily lose to The Undertaker. The Undertaker gets his legend back, wins clean in Hell in a Cell. It is a Hell in a Cell match. I mean, it's a way for The Undertaker to beat Brock Lesnar and then to protect Brock Lesnar. Uh, you're not really protecting him if he loses. Yeah, but it's a way. I mean, it's the only shot they got. And, that, really. and, that, and, that, and then the entire WrestleMania streak breaking is wasted. We had a question. Warren on Twitter asked, do you think the Undertaker versus Brock cell match will surpass their SummerSlam match? Um, and it's one of those weird things where Undertaker and Triple H, I felt like their regular match was better than the cell match. The cell match you kind of get with, with Undertaker is, you know, rip, you know, five minutes of working each other out and then they go to the finishes for the next 15, you know, back and forth and back and forth and the different, the one piece of confidence I have in this main event match here coming up, the hell in the cell is that someone will bleed. I don't care about the no blood rule and how they don't, you know, try to go for the blood. Someone's going to bleed in that match. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. I Brock, agree. Brock Lesnar, most likely. But do you think that this match could surpass their SummerSlam match, which I believe overwhelmingly was reacted to and received pretty positively. Yeah, there's a lot more smoke and mirrors in Hell in the Cell. It'll be easier for them to surpass their match. You know, it just depends on what The Undertaker's willing to do, I think. Especially because of the fact that it comes only two months after his last match. Usually Undertaker has a longer break in between matches than this. Right. Now, whether that helps or hurts, whether he's not rusty whether he's, you know, too injured. I mean, I don't know if that's a pro or a con yet, but it's pretty quick after the last match. So I think it has the possibility, like you said, the cage match could do uh, could do some wonders for these two. But there's a precedence for Undertaker performing better in solo matches than these cage matches lately. Uh, yeah, that's the I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> I, had the, not, I had nothing to add. Not, sorry. That's the Hell in a Cell show. Um one of the questions we had Cody on Twitter asks, do you think Triple H can bury Seth Rollins any more than HBK did on Raw? And I know you kind of went into this a little bit, but do we still feel, because I know I do, I said it earlier, uh, is Triple H and Seth Rollins still, you know, what this is all headed to for Seth? Maybe in the Rumble, not WrestleMania, but maybe at the Rumble to get Triple H warmed up for WrestleMania. But he's a means to an end. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like you kind of have to do that Triple H Seth Rollins match. And, you know, if Triple H pins easily Seth Rollins, that's, you know, a lot of people will consider that a burial. I don't think that result would happen if they wrestled. Um, and I think I it'd be, I think it'd be a hard, I think, you know what it would be like? It would be like the Booker T Triple H match. Yeah. And which I, would be a little bit overwrought with the drama of Triple H getting the hard fought win, but he get the hard fought win. And I, I don't really believe that HBK buried Seth Rollins on Raw to the point where if it was a a young babyface and HBK delivered that promo, then yes, that's a complete burial, because why are you doing that? But Seth Rollins, that's his character. He's the cocky kid who's had everything handed to him, even though he thinks he's the best. He's had everything handed to him. I mean, Kane won him the briefcase. You know, he got the championship belt handed to him. Uh, Triple H has protected him as part of the authority. So I I think it went in story. If he did I, that coming out to Dean Ambrose, then for sure. I think it's all right. But for me, 
if you're going to do that kind of a promo to a guy like Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins is going to deck you. As opposed to go, well, your friend Triple H did. You know, it made him look even weaker than than the character is written. That's the problem. Burial is a bit strong of a word, but really did Rollins no favors. With another question on Twitter, if the Intercontinental Champion isn't the champion of all the continents, what is he the champion of? Do you know this one, Jeff? Really? <laughs> because he's not the champion of all the continents. That's not what the Intercontinental Champion is. He's the champion of North and South America. Okay. So, yeah. Yes, because they had a European championship. Yeah. Now, 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 whoever represents Asia and Antarctica and Africa, you know. That's, a, well, the great power Yudi oh, represents Africa. And there's some penguin in Antarctica. Emperor Penguin. Emperor Penguin is the world champion a, of Antarctica. Yeah, he has a King Barrett gimmick. And <laughs> yes. And D'Lo Brown's got the European Championship somewhere D'Lo Brown on the is the greatest European champion of all time. Eurocontinental champion, too. He's got that somewhere. So uh, that is Hell in a Cell coming up Sunday. Again, we will be live on YouTube, VoicesOfWrestling.com or VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube. If you go to the YouTube page, you can get in our live chat uh, while we're doing our show there. So we will be live at 11 p.m. Eastern right after Hell in a Cell talking all about the show. Uh, you wanted to briefly talk about uh, Nia Jax's debut and oh. we have a new NXT title number one contender in Apollo Crews coming off of NXT TV. Uh, so a couple of things going on in the NXT verse. Yeah, I. What did you think of uh, them having a number one contenders match that was a battle royale? Um, it is battle. wacky because you know they had the Samoa Joe promo with William Regal where he's giving all these good points about how he probably should be a contender for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, Regal, who is always about you know earning your championship shots, is giving everyone a spot in this battle Royal. And it's a really wacky way to contend or to find a number one contender for your main championship, at least going through R- William Regal's eyes. Um, I, I don't have a problem with who they had coming out of it. Right. Um, I don't know if that's going to necessarily be your takeover main event. I think they'll probably mm-hmm. do Apollo Cruz and Finn Balor on a TV match. Down I think, the line here. yeah, I, I don't mind it for that reason. I don't mind it that Apollo Cruz is not the next best big, big, takeover match opponent more than likely I, you know i just kind of wish once in a while on these battle royals that they'd give a guy that you wouldn't think would win a battle royal because that would you know they never talk up that aspect of it because usually i like my number one contenders to win one-on-one matches because you know i'm old school like that but but you know the thing about battle royals that would make it at least interesting is that it 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 plays to strategy as opposed to one-on-one power. So, I mean, I'd like to see them do that once in a while, but you know, I don't mind it here in NXT precisely because of the reason you mentioned, because I don't think that this number one contender is the real number one contender. They do this on NXT where you have a guy who's a number one contender, but they don't give him the big match, so to speak. They give it to him on like a blow off show right later in the tapings. Yeah. So now, I, I would now, be shocked here. Now, yes. What did you think of the Nia Jax? Uh, debut Rob McCarron intrepid reporter you know I she's another she's a different type of female than that division has had for a while um you know there's comparisons obviously to Tamina who's just a a big woman in there and can outpower most people Mm -hmm. but I'm interested down the line if they do a Nia Jax and Asuka program where Asuka has the power 
in her kicks. Yeah. And then Nia Jax has the power in everything else. Like there's a ready built story there for can the kicks chop down the big giant in the division. Um, that's oh, the match I'm looking forward to down the line because as far as what Bailey has going for her, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with Bailey in the takeover program. Uh, right now, it looks like based on TV, they're doing something with Alexa Bliss, which is probably another get me over type of program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's another dynamic in this female division that usually has multiple things going on all at the same time. Like there's not one storyline and everything else is forgotten. That's why I kind of like this is because the women in NXT are just like the men in NXT where there's several layers as far as where everyone is on the totem pole. I'm, you know what? I watched it a second time and I now have questions about the Nia Jax debut because I don't think they know her gimmick. Because if you, if you notice, even in the promos coming up to it, it's about, I could disarm you with a smile. They're playing up her modeling gimmick, her modeling past, I think in this, and she's coming down smiling to the ring is she a baby face or a heel? Because I don't know. And that's what's confusing me here. Because I thought she had heel written all over her, but she's smiling to the crowd. She's smiling elsewhere, and, and it's all about her smile and her looks. So it's kind of like, is this a monster baby face? I don't I don't believe so. I think that's okay. just what you do early on until yeah. her true colors come out. And it might just be she's corpsing a bit, kind of like how Charlotte used to. No, when when she first came out, like she was a bit nervous there. I, I think there are some things she does need to. I think it's just work. an introduction. You're, you're like, not going to see yeah. her true motivations right away. Okay. No, that's fair enough. I think I, plenty of time. My only real other complaint was during the match when uh, Evie, who's great, and I hope they sign her. Uh, every time she kicked her, she did that thing where she touched to look for blood. And she did even on the fourth kick. I'm just like, will you stop doing that, please? It just looked so overwrought. In terms of performance, but I think I think she has a lot of promise as a monster in that division, and especially in developmental, and especially who they have down there in terms of women that that can fly around for her. I think she's going to be fine. I liked it a lot. I was just a bit confused as the the smile gimmick and the modeling thing. It was like, okay, that's a bit off. If she's not a growling, you know, she's not the karma slash amazing Kong type. Or even the Aja Kong type, if you wanted to go to that. It's going to be a different way. But this is only the first week, so we should wait on that. It's the first week. We still have two months until the next takeover uh, in December. So there's a lot of different directions they can go with a lot of these people. And we have Mm -hmm. two more TV tapings still before the next takeover as well. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen. Yeah. Um, You know, I I don't expect what we see on Nia Jax in week one is what we're going to see even two months down the road. So and that's a necessity of the women's division in NXT. When you sign all these they're signing women almost at a at a clip, just like they're signing the men, Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a lot of people there at the performance center. There's a lot of women on the roster and they're going to have to make time for them. So you're going to start seeing multiple women's angles on the show. Good. I'm all for it. I'm all for different kinds of wrestling on my wrestling programs. Yep, you're going to be seeing a lot of that. But Jeff Hawkins, it is now time to talk about the Survivor Series 2001 main event, (laughs) Team WWF versus the Alliance. It is match number 59 on our top 100 countdown of WWE matches on the WWE Network that you must see before you perish. Uh, The main event... (laughs) Before you expire. Before you expire, the main event of Survivor Series, the WWF versus the Alliance. 
capping off what was the invasion angle between mm. WCW and ECW. The invasion mm. angle, by the way, with its own Wikipedia page, in case Steve Austin ever needs to reference that, uh, <laughs> its own little Wikipedia page there. The summer of Steve Austin and Kurt Angle wackiness mm-hmm. really comes to an end on this show. Before we get detailed into this one, your thoughts going into Survivor Series 2001. I hated it at the time, um, mostly because it has all the ingredients of everything I don't like about most of the feuds today, especially if you get a quote-unquote invading force. They never get one over on on the big faces. There's always way too many McMahons involved in in the storyline, and this story is all about the McMahons. All about the McMahons. Yeah, it turns into that, yep. It didn't start that way. No, it didn't. Well, it kind of did. It kind of started with Shane and Vince. Yeah, it's, well, okay, it starts with Shane and Vince. And, you know, they tried, you know, when they had the Scott Hudson, Arn Anderson called match with Bagwell versus Booker T that flopped so poorly that they decided to scrap all plans to have a separate WCW. But then they made the, (laughs) the alliance, they had WCW and then they made the alliance and then they put Stephanie with Paul Heyman. And then they had to take Paul Heyman and put him on commentary because Jerry Lawler likes him young, blonde, and stupid. <laughs> they, uh, and then it, and then became and then became about wooing the Rock or Austin and her angle because they didn't have faith in any of the stars up top except for the fact that Rob Van Dam was getting over as a baby face when he was a member of the Heels. Rob, when I think of the history of WCW, I think of no two better people to represent those years than Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle. Yeah, and <laughs> and for a couple of months in there, Steve Austin. Yeah, well, Austin had a WCW ECW connection, they they which they played up. Right. Because he was in both. And, you know, that's how he kind of got noticed by WWE was his stuff in WW I mean me and ECW. But <laughs> we get into this match then. I mean, oh, did you did you watch any of the promos before so the match the fir- or anything? The first thing I watch is you see uh the promo with the entire team alliance. Yeah. Shane McMahon, Steve Austin, and they're questioning Steve Austin because on the SmackDown before this pay-per-view, mm-hmm. Steve Austin and Vince McMahon share that smile. So yeah. they're questioning the leadership of Steve Austin, and everyone else in the group is saying they could be the leader, they can be the leader, and Kurt Angle and Steve Austin are shouting every one of them down. Uh, because Kurt Angle wants to truly be the leader. Oh, I, oh, even before this, I mean, they, how they got here was ridiculous with the whole Shane McMahon bullying Linda and then Stephanie slapping her. And <laughs> Now, after you have the battle for leadership and Steve Austin yes. says, you can trust me, I'm loyal. Yes. They have the Vince McMahon and Linda uh, segment where Vince McMahon outright says he's paid someone off. Yeah. He he has someone on the Alliance team that is in his back pocket, and six on four is going to guarantee them the victory. Now, of course, all the intimation here was that Steve Austin was going to be that guy. Right. So that's what you had going in. You, going into this match, they, they knew that no one thought the Alliance would win, that the question that they wanted people to stick around for was, who was going to desert the Alliance? Who was going to join Team WWF? Would it be Austin? Would it be someone else? That was the true question going into this main event. It wasn't who was going to win. It was no. who was going to help Team WWF win. No. I, 
And and <laughs> where I started on on the favorite was that was that Vince McMahon pep talk to to Team WWF after the video package, which explained how Angle was originally on Team WWF and then over on the Alliance. And they they brought in Big Show to replace him, but just the <laughs> it's everything in a Vince McMahon promo you think a Vince McMahon promo would be, where he's just growling and being chewing scenery, and The Rock is just bouncing the entire time, getting an aerobic workout, and this promo just keeps going. And just remember, you're gonna be losers if you don't <laughs> win. You know, you're gonna be your your family will be ashamed of you. Well, we're skipping your, over your friends will hate yeah, you. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> we're skipping over the big part of this whole thing because not right. only could this be considered the end of the attitude era, but really, I mean, you talked about hating the invasion. I yes, it. it could have gone so much better, but let's not be wrong here. The invasion time this summer of WWF was one of the more exciting times on WWE TV that we've had from now from when Raw began. Oh, but, 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 but it goes back to our original point on the top of the show. That was us reading into what it could be and how this could be like a multi-year angle between WWF and WCW and, oh, what a money. And then they just burned all the money. They burned all the money. They burned it. But even with what they did, it was still one of the more exciting times. I mean, you have that raw that ends in early July where Steve Austin, who wasn't on the Alliance yet. This was the week, I believe, before Invasion's pay-per-view where Steve Austin is at the friendly tap all show long. And then he comes in to completely beat up on every Alliance member at the end of raw. Now, a lot of the stuff they ended up doing made no sense because it was going so quickly. They were burning through everything. I mean, Steve Austin was a heel after WrestleMania. He turned babyface to support team WWF. Then he turned heel to support the Alliance. Then he, then he was turned, you know, well, I mean, at the end of this match, he was a babyface again, even though nothing that he had done changed. I mean, he was back to the Steve Austin who was really a heel, but still getting cheered. Um, Rob, so- I, I, you know what I think this is? I think you're more excited because it was, it was in your younger days as a fan and you were more of a WWF fan oh, than say I, a W. I no. was not. Oh, people, I, this was an exciting. I was you had- jaded as the, the one time I got really thrilled. The one time that I really, you know, popped and went, oh, that's awesome, was the ECW. You had the ECW coming back turn. in the first draw of July where ECW returns and they do the turn. On- where everybody comes down, I go, they're yes. ECW. And ah, oh, again, yep. Heyman comes back and you're thinking, okay, great promos. Mm, okay. Paul Heyman's there. But of course, by the end of that show, Stephanie McMahon was in charge as they became the Alliance on the same very show. Um, So, I mean, while things didn't make sense and there were turns just for the sake of turns and your lead guys going up for Team Alliance were Kurt Angle and Steve Austin, who didn't really have that WCW heritage per se. I mean, Steve Austin was not a WCW guy. You know, he was a WWF guy. You know, most everyone was in ECW, was an ECW guy and so Uh forth. So you have this exciting time of the Friendly Tap episode. You have the exciting time of the ECW invasion. You have The Rock coming back and wondering where he was going to be in all of this. And Vince McMahon, you know, Steve Austin isn't here. It's The Rock, blah, blah, blah. It's exciting for you. I was waiting for my WCW guys. I was waiting for the Sting, the Flair, the Goldberg, the Outsiders, all those guys to come in. And they never came. So, I mean, this is a tale of two fandoms. So continue. Yeah, but I, I still contend that it was probably exciting for you waiting for them. It was a disappointment, ultimately. Yeah. But, I mean, it was an exciting time waiting to see what would happen. I mean, I remember watching these Raws, and I, I, I remember specifically not being home for the ECW Raw. 
Okay. And hearing about oh what what was this that happened? And I couldn't wait. I had to go find a tape of this, or I had to. I don't even know how I ended up watching it. I think you know I had to wait for video to show up online like a week later because the internet was you know AOL four point Like it was insane how much talk there was going on about these shows and all the craziness that was happening because you never thought ECW would show up again. And there was so much fantasy booking going on. There was a lot of fantasy internet. There's still, there's still fantasy booking going on. about this. (laughs) You know, everyone fantasy books, how the invasion could be better. People are in fantasy booking this for the last 15 years. There's cottage industries dedicated to DVDs talking about how you could have booked this. And of course you have still the what chance going on. I mean, think about that. Oh my the what's God. were going strong in 2001. And here we are 14 years later and the what's are still usually only on promos that are going a little bit long and there's a lot of wind in between. Oh, the other one I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the, uh, the rock Jericho promo against Stephanie when he had Rhino and Booker T in the ring. Yeah, there was that just that just trashed Stephanie. There was good stuff. Yeah, there, there was good stuff during this invasion. But we got the match. This is for this is the Survivor Series main event. It is for control of the company, control of WWE. You had Stephanie McMahon and Shane who had sold their shares to purchase the alliance. That was the story going into this. Mm-hmm. So they were going to get the shares back of WWE if they had won this match, and Vince would be out. Uh, so you have the big battle, the teams. Going into this match, if I get my paper here, The Rock, Undertaker, Kane, Chris Jericho, and Big Show for Team WWF. The alliance consisted of Steve Austin, Rob Van Dam, Kurt Angle, Booker T, and Shane McMahon. Because originally, Vince was supposed to be on Team WWF, but he was replaced by Kane. Well, no. He had uh, he had a, he had an all-roster meeting where he picked his team. Because I watched that promo. Yeah, and I don't, it, I don't it think was, Vince was supposed to be on the team, but I think going in, because Jim Ross even mentions this on commentary, that you know they thought Vince would be fighting for his team. Like, he wasn't actually on the team, but you know the Alliance wanted Vince to fight for his team like Shane was fighting for his, but I Vince thought that was a, no. I thought that was I thought that was a bait and switch, though, in, in terms of the angle. I thought, oh, Shane announced he was going to lead his team personally, and then Vince came out and basically... Had, he had Kane, Undertaker... Um, Right. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, that's what I mean. Yeah, Shane okay, was going in yeah. saying, oh, you're not even going to fight for your team. All right. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, he wasn't an official member, but like Kane was the one who was picked instead of Vince. Um, no, and he had Angle originally on the team and then Angle turned. Yeah. Angle and Angle's turn. And this was also the summer where you had the Steve Austin, Kurt Angle skits trying to please Vince McMahon, where they're trying to be Vince McMahon's favorite son. Yeah. I mean, there was so much good stuff that people remember back as being good. I guess during the time you may not have thought it was good, but it, like it's memorable things. <laughs> it's it's memorable. memorable. Okay. Yes. A lot of memorable stuff going on here. Um, <laughs> Kurt Angle giving Vince his medals and then and Vince and Steve Austin kind of blowing him off. Oh, I just, oh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, also, probably some of the last times until you got all the, the wrestling, like the SmackDown 6. Like mm-hmm. probably one of the few times where really memorable stuff was happening where you had to tune into SmackDown too. Yeah. Like half the angle was taking place on SmackDown. Some of the better yeah. stuff on it. Uh, but I digress. So we had this invasion match. It's five on five. Um, watching the match mm-hmm. in their locker rooms were the Alliance and the WWF guys. And right. they would cut to the locker rooms after every fall to see how they were reacting. And I don't know if anything stood out to you in this, but I could not help watching the team WWF locker room and the Brooklyn brawler is front and center (laughs) and the overacting from the Brooklyn brawler 
you know, crying when someone takes a fall for WWF, jumping up and down in celebration with his arms raised when the WWF would score a fall. The Brooklyn Brawler, my eyes were transfixed during this whole thing. The one who I always kept having my eyes go to is Spike Dudley on Team WWF and trying to remember, when did he defect? <laughs> so that was me. Well, I remember, he was... Uh... Because he was with Molly. It was because Molly Holly, right? Because Molly Holly, because they right. were doing the hurricane and Molly, and then the hurricane yeah. went to Team Alliance, and Spike Dudley was Molly Holly's new, you know, boyfriend, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I started to watch the show, and I forgot Christian was in the Alliance, so. <laughs> and Test, I believe. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you got to kind of look at those locker rooms and see who Big, was there and who wasn't. Yeah, and... yeah it, was, it was a mess. <laughs> it, it was a mess, but I, yeah, no, this is just the first. The cr- now, watching the match. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and this is my biases speaking coming into play here. It drove me insane that they were getting the heat on Shane for the first almost third of this match. Well, it started out with Steve Austin and The Rock, and then you got the work rate right. guys in there with Rob Van Dam and Chris Jericho. Yeah, everybody got a chance to come in and sample, but every time there was a pin, who broke it up? Shane. Every time. Well, again, think of who was the one who was most invested in this. It was Shane. That's very true. Shane was the one who was the most invested person in this entire match. It was Shane McMahon. So everything was living and dying. Yeah, uh, I was was fantasy booking what could have been. And these could have been two even teams going in for battle. And there could have been real drama. And it's like, "Ah, Shane. (laughs) I also want to make mention of Steve Austin's shitty alliance music. Oh, during this God. whole summer, which was more generic. And we had the question a couple of weeks ago, has there ever been a world champion with more generic music than Seth Rollins? Yes, it was Steve Austin during the Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was your winner there. Um, so you have fall after fall. Basically, the match, I mean, it's a long one. It goes about 45 minutes. Um, yep. Goes pretty quickly. I mean, they don't start doing eliminations till about the 13th or 14th minute in there when, of all people, Shane McMahon beats the big show. And the Big Show had gotten a whole bunch of finishers delivered unto him. Yeah. And Shane McMahon's the final one with the elbow drop. But this is what I talk about with Big Show is Big Show was a superstar in this match. You know, Jim, uh, Jim, really? Yeah. Jim Ross on commentary was talking about how he can't be the big slow tonight. He's got to come in and be the giant that they all know and and want to love. And he was coming in here. Um, I mean, he did all the high spots. Right. I mean, he was doing the high spots. He was getting big crowd reactions. He was doing the chops. He was a ball of fire because he was the replacement guy for Team WWF after, you know, basically kind of almost being a joke at this point in his career. Right. He, he was kind of being a joke, which is funny because he looked in pretty good shape. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was good. But then all of a sudden angle slam out of nowhere and, yeah. then, and then frog splash and then elbow drop. I was like, see, you took a lot more out of it out of the commentary than I did. I go, wow, they made Big Show look bad here, too. Well, they. It was almost as if Jim Ross was saying, like, he was making excuses for the yeah. Big Show or making excuses for the team if Big Show didn't perform well. Like, we, we picked Big Show because of what he can be, even though he's been shit lately. It's basically way, what Jim Ross was saying. And by the way, in both WCW and WWF, I know they didn't get along, but I love the commentary team of of Ross and Heyman. I love them together. I love how Heyman just needles Paul, Ross. Paul Heyman was great, and also... And that's where my opening statement came. They're not booing. They're chanting Austin. Austin comes from. Right. I, that's my favorite line he ever said. A subtlety of Paul Heyman on commentary, too, was when he would do transitions for advertisements. Right. Like he was doing those professionally, yet at the same time in his true heel character. Like You know, this the last pay-per-view in WWF history is brought to you by 
Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul Heyman was had this perfectly down. As Say bye bye to your fans, Jr. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it was great. I mean, commentary was great, but we get down to Chris Jericho and The Rock versus mm-hmm. Steve Austin because Kurt Angle was eliminated during this match, and that's important. Kurt Angle fought for his team the entire time. Yes, yes, he did. But then he gets eliminated, and it's down to Steve Austin and The Rock. And Chris Jericho, who is still a heel, yeah. doesn't turn on his team, but he's frustrated by losing, and he plants The Rock down and is sent to the back by The Undertaker as if, like, what are you doing? And the commentary made sure to make, you know, make it clear that Chris Jericho wasn't turning on the team. He wasn't Vince McMahon's guy. Or he wasn't, you know, an alliance guy. He was frustrated that he had lost and took it out on The Rock, who he already had problems with. Yeah, because they were doing lead up. I mean, that they were teasing the the tension between Rock and Jericho going up to the match because I think he had a match on SmackDown where they ended up just whacking each other with chairs. I, I love that dynamic. Jericho gets cheered in this match even though he's a heel, and yet you're supposed to boo the Alliance. But everybody loved Rob Van Dam. This was when Rob Van Dam was still young and fresh, doing all the same things in the ring in every match. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was young and fresh, and you know people were getting behind him because he wasn't. You know, he was just being him. He was a high flyer. A high so flyer it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to boo a high flyer. Had the matches with Jeff Hardy that everyone loved. Yeah, uh, it was jumping off the, you know the 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 railings on on the SmackDown set. You know, taking these wacky, right, crazy dives and stuff. Right. Yeah. So now we're now we're down to Steve Austin and The Rock, the WrestleMania mm-hmm. 17 main event of that same year. We're down to Austin and The Rock, and they're going at it, and then Kurt Angle comes back and takes a shot at Steve Austin with the <laughs> WWF championship. Yes. Right? So this was <laughs> multi-layered in a way because at Invasion, Steve Austin had turned on Kurt Angle to join the Alliance. Right. So Kurt Angle was getting one revenge over Steve Austin. But a lot of the debate people I remember having around this time is why would Kurt Angle fight for the Alliance the whole time and then turn at the very end? Yes. Well, Kurt Angle was smart here. He was the spy from Vince McMahon. Okay. He was the spy going into the Alliance. But he fought. If the Alliance won, Kurt Angle was safe. Yes. Because he was an Alliance member. Now, at the end here, he sees, okay, it's one-to-one. I can do the original plan now. I can turn on Steve Austin, get my revenge, and I know I'm safe because I'm Vince McMahon's spy, so I can cost him the match here. He was playing both sides. Kurt Angle, the heel, who comes out, he is the heel after this. Kurt Angle was playing both sides. As now, let me, a hold on, heel hold on, might hold do. on, hold on. Y- your recollection of this is much better than mine, so let me ask you this. Did they retcon him into being the Vince McMahon guy here? Well, I have a steel trap because, of a memory. Well, no, you don't, but that's okay. <laughs> because the whole point of the spy thing was that it was a red herring, wasn't it? That 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 Because Shane cut a promo about it and said, there is no spy here. That's well, something Vince is doing to play mind games. I don't think Kurt Angle was the actual spy. No, I don't he was think the there spy. was a No, there wasn't one. There was never one. He did this and blew the match, correct? That's what made it so dumb. It's like, well, why would you fight all this time, come down, then hit Austin, and then lose it for everybody? No, he was the spy from Vince McMahon. That's Vince McMahon. Are you, making, next... are you making that up, or are you being legit I'm here? being, no, he, the whole 
fucking thing was talking okay. about how hey, there was a spy. You don't need to cuss at me. I just have a lot of memory and I don't have a lot of love for this. So Vince McMahon, I'm asking. Vince McMahon told his wife that he had a spy in the locker room, that it was six on four. Kurt Angle was the spy in the locker room. He was sent yeah. to the Alliance to spy. And that's why the next night on Raw, Vince McMahon was giving him the championship shot need to swear at me about this thing i was asking a legit question i thought austin was basically came out the hero of this actually, that's i don't believe he was even giving angle the championship shot he was giving angle the title okay because steve austin had just lost and he was right. going to be fired he was giving angle the title for being his you know true player and that's why angle ended up becoming a heel because he was vince mcmahon's spy he was spineless okay steve austin was the baby face even though it made no sense for steve austin to be the baby face but just people loved him more Ah, you don't. Yeah. Occasionally, you have to fill in the history well, here. I just, I just love how you were questioning whether there was a spy or not when the match result was that Kurt Angle turned on the Alliance because you he have, was the spy. You're, okay, but but look at it from my point of view. How many dumb WWE stories have I lived through in my very very long tenure of life that made no sense and had nothing going for them? Many. So for them to have a logical storyline might blow my little pea brain. Yeah, well, no, it was, see, it was Chris Jericho in this match who was just, who he wasn't a spy of anyone, he wasn't blowing the match for anyone, he was just right. taking it out on one guy. No, and they, they, but they, they had questioned his loyalty because he had been both a WCW and an ECW guy, I remember that part. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was good stuff, so, I mean, this, this pay-per-view was important, obviously, for the history of the company at that time. Um, you know, 2001 was a really weird year, it was a transition year in a way, because it was what I considered to be, I don't know what the official end of the attitude era is, but to me, it's this pay-per-view. Okay. And then after this, in the aftermath, it turns out that they had sold their shares to Ric Flair. And then we get the great yep. <laughs> Booker T versus Steve Austin grocery store brawl. Yeah. It's funny. Cause yeah, they, Stephanie and Shane sold their shares to buy ECW and WCW. They sold it to Ric Flair. Ric Flair shows up the next night uh, <laughs> as the co-owner, the business partner of Vince McMahon Yes, uh, up, with up at the luxury, luxury box in, uh, I think it's in Anaheim even, but don't quote me on that. So the next, uh, the next pay-per-view is Vengeance, right? right? So we get Vengeance, and that is where Chris Jericho become the, becomes the unified champion. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he goes through everyone. I, I question how different this invasion, I think everyone does, how different it would have been had Triple H not been hurt. Because there's a lot of guys that are out during this time. I think Benoit's ben out during this out. time. I, I don't know if Benoit would have caused that much change in what actually happened, but I always thought that the Kurt Angle role would have been Triple H. If they had built up maybe Taz a little bit more, but he was kind of done. Yeah, Taz, Taz, it's funny because Taz was only there for a year, and then he was all he he transitioned into being done and in commentary so quickly. Mm-hmm. That you miss most of his run. I mean, you know, I, I remember the Raven Jerry Lawler angle, and that's about it with Taz. Oh, I think if Triple H had been around, he would have been the rock guy. He wouldn't have been the angle guy. I, I think see, angle, I, I don't know. angle. I think he would have been the guy fighting for Vince's attention because they already paired him up with Steve, and mm-hmm. the rock would have been the rock. But I, I, you don't know where it could have been. I mean, it was good for Triple H that he ended up not being a part of that because it made him, you know, it shot him up even higher when he came back in 2002. Right. And took on Jericho. So it it actually worked out for Triple H <laughs> not being a part of all this. Funny how that works. I know. It's, it is interesting how that works. Yes. Uh, next week on the show, we will not do our next match on Sunday. Sunday is going to be no. strictly our Hell in a Cell 
post show mm-hmm. uh, will be live at 11 p.m. on Sunday night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch us at voicesofwrestling.com or subscribe free to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash voices of wrestling. Search for voices of wrestling on YouTube and it'll get you there. Uh, so do that. Next week, though, on our regular Tuesday show, we will talk about match number 58 mm-hmm. from WCW Great American Bash 1996. Dean, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. Look at right? that. Jeff yeah. knew it. Jeff did his homework this week. Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko. And before we go, Jeff. Yes. I was going to play our game with you. Oh, okay. Because we had so much fun last time. <laughs> Making me look dumb? No, yeah. no. I, I'm not trying to make you look dumb oh, okay. at all. Um, oh, I, no, I just meant, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, last week last week we did guess the raw main event of right. this day in history. So let me get to this uh, episode I have planned for you today. Uh, guess the main event this day in history. <laughs> it is October 20th as we record that. I'm going right. to bring you back to the October 20th, 2008 Oof. WWE Monday Night Raw. I'm going to give you four matches. I want you to guess which one was the main event of the show. Okay. Your first option. John Bradshaw Layfield versus Stone Cold Steve Hostin. Your second option. John Morrison and The Miz versus CM Punk and Kofi Kingston. Mm, no. Your third option. Chris Jericho and Batista versus William Regal, Mark Henry, and Kane. And your fourth option, Candice Michelle and Kelly Kelly <laughs> versus Jillian Hall and Katie Lee Burchill. It'd have to be Austin and Layfield, right? Because Austin's... Is Austin the champ at this time? This is 2008. October uh-huh, 20th, uh-huh. 2008. Uh-huh. Oh, no, um... Do you want me to read that one again? No. You said Hostin, didn't you? Stone Cold Steve Hostin. Oh, you son of a bitch. Versus okay. John Bradshaw no, Layfield. No, no, no. Then, then, then it's the, uh, it's the multi-man, right? It, it's uh, it's uh, the Regal Henry. You are uh, correct. It is yeah. Batista and Chris Jericho. I, I thought, I thought, why is he pronouncing it like that? Okay, cool. I, I, okay. I caught I caught on to your I caught on to your chicanery, Rob McCarran. Yes, yes, you did. It was actually Batista and Chris Jericho in a gauntlet series yeah. against Regal, Henry, and Kane, where Batista would wrestle Regal, then Chris Jericho would wrestle Regal, and they would go one on one like that for the rest of the time, where Batista ended up winning because he was the only one to win each match. Chris Jericho was a fool, triumphant in only one of the three matches. Is that Charlie uh, Haas' last match in WWE? Stone Cold Steve Austin. That, that, that's usually the mark of you're getting future endeavored, and I know after he stopped imitating people, he did get future endeavored and went. It, it was. To- cl- I'm. I'm gonna look. Let's see here. Charlie Haas. Um. We will. Uh, I know JBL just destroyed him. I remember watching that match and going, Ugh, "I was even uncomfortable watching it." Yeah. It didn't. Uh, the whole. I mean, he hurt Lillian Garcia. You know, he started hurting people and he was doing this weird gimmick. So let's see. WWE, Charlie Haas. No, he went all the way to 2010 with the company. Oh, wow. So, yeah, this was, so he wasn't this done was yet. This was early in that gimmick then. He wasn't done yet. It was early in the gimmick. Final thing before we go. The chances that Alberto Del Rio comes back to WWE by the end of this year. 50-50. I would put it at 80%. Alberto Del Rio will be back. Wow. 
he will be a nice little Christmas present to WWE fans. Even after what he said about them? Even after, sure, why not? Okay. He didn't say too much that, you know, that bad. Nothing that can't be recovered from. No, 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 no. I just, I I just took from it that he didn't enjoy the road and he didn't enjoy the schedule at all. Now, if they give him money, money helps you. I mean, they gave him first class travel and it seems like he became accustomed to it given that he, what he said about the German, Germany gig. So, you know, if they give him a pay bump and they continue the first class travel and accommodations in the contract, I could see it. At Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, we'll see everybody for our live post show of Hell in a Cell on Sunday night, 11 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.